0: This is your sporting life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals,
1: celebrating lives. It is that time of the week again and it's wonderful to have you with us for another edition of This is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives and what a life we have to celebrate today. He was a man who came over from Western Australia and made an immediate impact in the big time. He was flamboyant, he was watchable, he was the buzz. Peter Posasto, Buzz. G'day Welcome. Pete.
0: How are you going? And uh, what a walk down vintage lane for you and I, eh? Uh, back at the old greyhound days, we used to get to the greyhounds and I used to call. Ah, oh, no, you used to call, that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you about a particular night at the greyhounds a little bit later in the program, but it has been a long time since we've mm. seen each other. Yes. How
0: are you? Very well. Yeah, you know, battling on like uh, everyone else is uh, uh, in the old Australia at the moment. But uh, no. Uh, you know, I've uh, been, been over in Melbourne for a couple of weeks now and uh, done a lot of charities and fundraisers and that sort of thing around the place and uh, been very, very, very good and uh, well-received and uh, going on, the, going around with that scallywag, Pete, called Mark Jacko Jackson.
1: Now, I reckon if anyone <laughs> could probably get a word in with Jacko, you might be the one, but even you might struggle at times.
0: Oh, I tell you what, we, uh, we're even, even money there, both of us, <laughs> each <of> too, Pete. <laughs> What's it
1: like to, to get around to all of the provincial areas and mm. various areas? Areas around Melbourne and indeed all around Australia and connect with the fans from yesteryear.
0: Yeah, look, I think that's a very good point. And... Uh uh it's, uh it's sad to see what's going on. Uh, we go to a lot of country areas, Pete, as you can imagine, and uh, a lot of sides have come down from, say, three sides to two sides to one side because that's probably just the way it's going at the moment. Uh, there's that little thing called internet and websites and all that mm. sort of thing, which, uh, um, which sort of affects the kids as well. But uh, I get a little bit disappointed when I go around because great clubs and great uh, community areas um, are suffering. And in Western Australia, so much too, because our market uh, uh, real estate over there is very, very, very on a flat uh, spell at the moment. And, uh, and of course, uh, that affects virtually everything because people go away and don't want to do it. But uh, I did a show uh, a couple of years ago with the with great man, Alex Jezzelinko, and uh, we went to a little uh, cu- uh, club in... Uh, uh, um, East Fremantle Zone, which was uh, just out of Fremantle, and uh, they had 27 sides, Pete, four under eights, four under nines, four under tens, and of course so on. And uh, Jezza said, this is wonderful. You know, your, your football here is uh, in great, great, great shape. And uh, two years' time, we went back there, Pete. Jezza asked the same question again. Eight sides. Wow. So they'd lost nearly 19 sides in that time because of basketball and internet, et cetera, et cetera. And that's a really great shame. And uh, you asked the question regarding, uh, you know, what do you think about it? But, uh, you know, we go in there now and you can't go in there and, and, and charge clubs big dollars now. You know, you've got to help them. You've got to go in there at a reasonable price, make sure they can make some money leave the place, Pete, with a smile on their face, um, you know, get a signature off you, get a photo with you. And, uh, you know, that that's humbling to the heart, isn't it, Pete? Because you give something back. How do you reckon your blue boys are going at the moment, Buzz? Yeah, pretty ordinary. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, this is my opinion, I think we made a mistake, uh, uh, you know, drafting a lot of the young fellas. I would have may have, may, uh, maybe uh, just drafted a couple of them on and got some uh, middle-aged players, Pete. There was a couple of middle-aged players about 30 years ago that come to Carlton. One was called Kenny Hunter. I remember the other him. One was Peter Bazasta, you remember those two, Pete? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Mature bodies. Um, Hunter was a great player, Pete. Absolutely unbelievable. He had three uh, broken jaws by the time he come to Western Australia. Uh, three time All Australian. You know, just you know, absolutely a fantastic player to play with. But you know, the big, not the big body, but the mature body. And uh, you know, I think that's what Carlton are missing at the moment. Leaving five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teenagers playing in a game of football, Pete. And, of course, they're just going to get bumped off the ball. We go back about, what, four or five years to the GWS. They did exactly the same when they were, you know, just trying to get themselves into the right shape.
1: Although, I must say, um, despite the fact that there's been another spoon this year for yeah, the Blues, yeah. there's one bloke who mm. reminds me a little bit of you, the way he plays, and that's Charlie Curnow. Mm his ability to leap tall buildings in a single bound and he's got so much upside to him. He's going to be the future of the football club. And there is a little bit of you Mm. in him buzz. I reckon
0: there was a story going around, um, When Gibbs left, uh, Ross Gibbs, the number four, of course, that very famous number, Pete. Yes. Uh, And uh, I got word, and I think it was from a great man that wears the number four. used to wear the number four. A bloke called Steve Curnahan. I remember him too. He uh, rang me and said, Buzz, there's a little bit of a whisper going around that Charlie Curnow wants to wear number four. And I said, absolutely. Please tell him I'll be... Absolutely delighted if he uh, if he wanted. I don't know whether it was a uh, uh, you know a chance of doing it, Pete. But I would have loved to him to have, uh, wear the number four because I can see some uh, you know really outstanding talent in him. Um, if he was in a sort of a, a, a slightly better side, I think he'd play even better football. Um, we were talking about it off air, weren't we? Our forward line structure at Carlton at the mm. moment is probably non-existent. Uh, if we get that going in the next year or two, and, uh, and Charlie's still there, and uh, of course we'll get Doherty back uh, next year, which will be a very very big Plus for the side, uh, those young kids have got to get into the gym, don't they, Pete? And yeah. up, muscle up and strengthen up, and uh, you know get some conditioning about them. But uh, look, I can see some uh, uh, some uh, uh, talent there. Very very important, though, this draft, Pete, uh, the trade, and of course what they can manoeuvre in this next uh, you know six or eight ten weeks and in in, after the season, of course, because that's very very important to Carlton, you know, for the future. You didn't play that many games for Carlton, but you are identified as a
1: Carlton person. You only—you were like a comet. You blazed across the sky in the big time and then went back to WA, and we'll talk about that mm. as the hour progresses. But uh, you are so identified. We, we sometimes get this impression of you that you played a couple of hundred games mm. for Carlton, but it wasn't the case.
0: I played 65. Yeah. Um, David Parkin was probably honoured, Pete, because he saw all my sixty-five games. So Lucky it was a him. pleasure for him. Yeah, yes. that's right. And uh, but uh, no, look, it was. Um, I look back on it now, and and, and I sort of regret it that I, I never went on. And I think I could have taken my game to another level. Um, You know, people out there are probably thinking, hang on, gee, you know, how much better, you know, could you have got? But, um, um, you know, I think I could have gone to another level. I played 65 games, two premierships and a night premiership, uh, played with such a, such a great side, you know. And, uh, you know, there was champions and and, uh, superstars on every line, Pete. You know, I mentioned the the half-back line to you, and there's a great story about that. And, uh, you know, dual Perivik and Hunter, uh, you know, sensational Tingling still goes up my spine yeah. when I say them. And uh, can I tell you the story about uh, when, we, uh, when, we first, uh, when we first got, um, uh, when David Parkin took over, of course, Percy Jones had us in, ni- in 1980. They should have won the premiership that year, they tell me. And uh, they got beaten in straight sets. And uh, David Parkin took over. And late November, he rang Kenny Hunter. Kenny was signed with the club. And David David Park, and here, Ken, uh, I believe you want to come over. But I want you to come over early and get used to the tradition and history and the culture of this great club and, uh, you know, get used to the players. And Kenny said, look, Coach, I'll be over, you know, within the, within the week. And uh, and he said, I want to try you on a half-back line, Bruce Doole, Val Pirovic and yourself. And as I said, Pete, the ship has still come up my spine when I mentioned <laughs> that uh, particular name. And Kenny said, fantastic, Coach. You know, I'll get it all organised. He rang me the next day and he said, Peter... David Park here have just taken over as the coach. You know, I believe you want to come over, but I want you to come over early and get used to the tradition and history, etc. cetera, which, which I just said about Kenny. And I want to put you on, I want to try on a half forward line, Wayne, the Dominator Johnson, Mark McClure and yourself. And again, Pete, you know, they were the people that I was really revered to and idolised, you know, when I was playing in, uh, in Western Australia. And of course that eventually come off and, um, I might as well keep going on that story, Pete, because there's, a, on going another, real, show, there's another real good story that follows on with it. And uh, I said to him, look, I won't come over till uh, late, David, because my father's got leukemia and I'm, uh, I've got a sports shop and I'll come you know, late February if it's all right with you. Anyway, he said yes. Come over for the last three or four uh, practice matches. And, uh, and no one told me that Carlton just really didn't want to play in uh, practice matches. The, three, the best three players on the ground was Mike Fitzpatrick, uh, Kenny Hunter and myself. Anyway, that went on. We played Hawthorne in the last one, played a blinder, kicked six, Carlton were all over me, but we have going to clear now, blah, blah, blah. By the way, Lou Richards wants to speak to you on the Tuesday night before training, and this was just before the number four come in. Uh, uh, they offered me number 25, Pete. I said, you've got to be joking. That's that great man there. You know, Can't I'm, take I'm, Jess's I'm, number. I'm, I'm <laughs> battling to, to get myself going, let alone we're the great man's jumper. They offered me number 28, which was Percy Jones, another legend in the club. And then number four was the battle. Now, Pete and listeners, uh, I, I, I didn't know this till about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. My father actually wore number four for Calvin. Okay. And it was uh, just... I don't even know why he didn't tell me that, you know, when he when he was at Carlton. He played about 22 or 23 games at Carlton Point. And, so it was or, a
1: pure coincidence that you pure, finished
0: up in four. Exactly. It was a pure coincidence, that, that incidental that it had done. Anyway, it was a very, very very funny. He got me over at Blue and uh, I knew who he was and, you know, I'd read uh, read a lot and I knew a lot about him. he came come over and he said, Peter... I've heard you can jump as high as this grandstand. I said, you can kick free goals and you can tackle like a machine and you're just an all-bloody-good a bloody good player. And I said, Lou, I can jump as high as this uh, this uh, building. I can tackle like an absolute Trojan. I can take freak marks day in and day out. Pete, he put it in the paper the next day. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so <laughs> so how said, did that go down oh, with your teammates? Oh, that mates? went wonderfully well with the teammates, <laughs> Pete, I can tell you. So I thought to myself, jeez, I'm in trouble here, so I've got to perform here or, uh, or else, you know. <laughs> well, I reckon you did perform, and we'll get to that a little
1: bit Bit later on, but we think of you as a West Australian, and you're a proud West Australian.
0: But you weren't born in WA, were you? Correct. Now, Pete, another one that I regret is I never wore the big V. I would have loved to wear the big V. I was born in Western, uh, Victoria, as you as you just mentioned. My mother was an Ellison, who is Tom Ellison's uh, sister. Brett Allison, of course, is Uncle Tom's uh, son and played 220 with North Melbourne.
1: Speaking of blokes who can take a mark, yes. remember that mark that Brett Allison took? Oh,
0: you know, probably pales into existence. Yeah, not bad. Well, yeah. you know, I've got one here in comparison. I, 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 I can't I'm, show. I'm the just listeners.
1: looking at a poster at the moment of, uh, of Buzz taking a mark, one of the marks that he took. Uh, how high are you there, Buzz? Do you reckon?
0: Oh, look, geez, that's the grandstand About eight feet there. Off Pete, the Pete? Grand? Yeah, there's Big Jimmy <laughs> Jess there, and Mark McClure. Ashy's got straining the neck because he's looking up there, Pete. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but that was just a little mark. But no, Brett was a fantastic mark as well. And, and Brett, he played 220-odd games for North Melbourne. Uh, I think my uncle's a, a life member of the club, and so is uh, Brett. And I could have signed with North Melbourne. Uh, uh, and, of course, the story goes, uh, Pete, that Ron Joseph actually did sign me on a Form 4, which is if I had come to uh, Melbourne in the next couple of years when I was playing in Perth, um, I would have had to go to North Melbourne. Two years later, it lapsed. Carlton come over, saw me play a game where I kicked, you know, six or seven goals in, and said, "Look, you know, you're, you're right for us." So uh, it was a perfect match, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't a fluke, Pete. It wasn't a fluke that I did pick Carlton because, uh, you know, they'd won a premiership in '79. And they only had about four or five changes, of course, in that time. And uh, I think Greg Wells come across from Melbourne. Kenny Hunter come in, myself come in, and uh, I think Phil Malin come in. So there was four pretty good players to come into that side in the, in the early 81. And, of course, we virtually took all before us in the, in the uh, early of the, the 81 season.
1: Take us back to your childhood, Buzz. Where did it all begin as far as WA after you were born in Victoria, moved to WA? Mm-hmm. Um, what were your early footy memories and who were your early footy heroes?
0: Right, um, I come across from Melbourne when I was four – my father coached Uroa uh, to a premiership in uh, 59 and stayed another couple of years. And we went back in uh, uh, to, to Western Australia. And uh, I never picked up a footy, Pete, till around about 10 or 11 years of age. There was no what's kick and there was no free ball and that sort of thing in, uh, uh, in football then. And, uh, you know, just went through the, uh, just went through the grades. Didn't, uh, you know, excite anyone. Didn't, uh, you know, the potential wasn't there at the, at the time. And uh, I think I missed a, a year in the under-15s and uh, had that year off. Then under sixteen, seventeen. I started to, you know, to uh, sort of um, come alive, I suppose.
1: So why and- was that? Did you knuckle down a bit more or was it just um, a natural evolvement mm. and your talent was coming to the fore?
0: I had a health problem called asthma. And uh, had it very badly. Nearly died a couple of times because of the breathing, as you probably know. And uh, blisters and know what, uh, what I mean there. And, of course, they've got a lot of great drugs, of course, that uh, stem the, stem the uh, breathing now. And uh, uh, I nearly sort of passed out a lot, a lot of times there. So I couldn't train, uh, you know, the, the way that I wanted. But once I got stronger, Pete, and started to do a little bit more uh, running and sort of weights, I started to get, you know, the breathing was better, et cetera, et cetera. So the potential come. At school, I was a high jump champion. And I was breaking records in high jumps. and that I think that's where the leap come from. Uh, you know that uh, I had such a, such a good leap, and uh, at that stage, Pete, I was only about probably eleven stone. Now I'm, you know, about twelve. Um, you know, so uh... maybe twelve and a half. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I said to David, uh, they wanted me to put on, a, on virtually a stone before I come over, and I said to David, I don't want to lose to the leap because that's one of my main strings to the bow. You know, so uh, but he, you know, again, I can't talk highly enough of David Park, and he just knew how to exactly handle me and uh, uh, you know set the thing in motion and uh, you know the, the rest is history and um, just come through the just come through the grades Pete uh, probably the, the under 16s uh, I won a, um, uh, a medal in the grand final best on ground in the grand final which I think helps you because you know you know how to play in those big games and then the under 18s we uh, we got beaten in the grand final and uh, you know i, I Played pretty well again. Then virtually went from there straight into Colts Reserves and League with Perth, who was my side in uh, in WA, my junior council side. And, um, you know, just just sort of blossomed from there. Uh, 17 years of age, I played about 18 games, 19, 20 games, 20, 20 games and 20, 21 games. And that started to, uh, you know, get that sort of... Uh, Continuity going, and uh, that's when the uh, you know the AFL sorry the VFL clubs at that stage uh, started to notice me, and uh, you know I think they're playing in a good side too because Perth won premierships in that time yeah. as well, so um, you know playing in a good side really did help me uh, you know progress. We
1: might take a break, Buzz, and then we'll talk about the transition from the waffle over to the big time, and the fact that you made such an instant impression, and I reckon we might even talk about that goal and that mark at some stage of the program as well. Peter Basasto is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll have more with Buzz after the break. This is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And what a pleasure it is to have the great Peter Bissasto as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Buzz, we spoke about your time in the WAFL, Yep, the Waffle, and then the transition came. You walk into Carlton. Mm. It was one of the powerhouse teams of the competition at that oh, stage.
0: absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, as I said before, it was no fluke that I, I did pick them because... Um, uh, you know they had already won a premiership in 79 and uh and they virtually had the same side and uh, uh only to be strengthened by uh, uh Hunter what a, what a play to have what a play to have and of course across, across that half back line Pervic was an un, very very under uh, um, rated player as well he was an uh, he was an outstanding player and of course Bruce du what do you say about Bruce du you know just uh, words can't I uh, can't describe and uh, probably you know still is the um, you know the the epitome of half-back flankers um, Bruce wouldn't get 37 38 possessions now I can tell you Pete he would probably have that in a season <laughs> <laughs> but he might have 370 Spoils and yeah. smothers et cetera et etc, which David Parkin loved, and of course Carlton loved as well, Pete, because um you know with that was that was Bruce's job, and we just knew I, I think Pete just again just uh, uh, butting in, I think we um had that camaraderie, mm. we had that bonding and we had that sort of absolute belief in each other, and um you know they won three out of four. Very close to uh, 83. Um, we could, we were in the top four then In 84, I could have come back and, we, you know, we could have virtually won, you know, five out of six. We went, you know, perilously close to it because that's the sort of, uh, you know, the great side that they were and, uh, you know, led beautifully and led unbelievably by the skipper, Mike Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, you could not get a better uh, skipper than uh, than Fitzpatrick. You know, just uh, just knew how to, uh, um, you know, command the side. Just knew how, I and mean, if he pointed at you, you knew you had yeah. to go the next one. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's outstanding side. And, uh, you know, f- fully deserved those three out of the four premierships in uh, 79, 81,
1: and 82. It would seem as though, Buzz, that you turned it on when Geelong was on the field, especially in that... 1981 season Mm. because there are a couple of memorable moments that you probably may remember. (laughs) Tell us about that goal,
0: the goal of the year out at Waverley. I don't think there's a day that goes by that no one reminds me about it or they say, you know, I was there. I think I'm up to seventy five thousand at uh, uh, Princess Park for the mark, and I think I'm up to about sixty three, sixty four thousand for the for the goal. Buzz, I saw you take that, and I saw you <laughs> kick that, but uh, look, that's that's fine, Pete. You know, if you, if you give people um, you know entertainment, and that's really what I was all about. You know, I loved entertaining. Uh, you know, I love you know showing off, if you want to put it that way. Um, but you know, you mentioned it before. Uh, you had to go when you had to go. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't have taken any prisoners, uh, our blokes, and you know, especially someone like McClure or, uh, uh, you know, uh, Fitzpatrick, they'd be on you straight away. And uh, when you had to go, you had to go for the side. And that's exactly what it was. The mark, Pete, we'll go to the mark first. Well, um, you know, it was uh, one of those, uh, you know, uh, rides that you get. Uh, Went around the back of the pack. I I followed McClure around there. uh, um, and this Rick, is
1: up in front of the Robert this is Heatley a, stand. right in front
0: of the Robert Heatley stand. And yeah. I think the cross is still on the edge of the square there, Pete, where it was, <laughs> where it was taken. I do go there every year and
1: market, you know. You're yeah, so. like Greg Norman. They put a plaque down there. <laughs> That's, well, okay. Yeah, I
0: haven't thought of that one, but I will, Pete. Thank you. Uh, you know, the, the right leap come at the right time. Big Johnny Mossop sort of crouched and was just about ready to probably uh, go for a leap. And um, as he sort of stood up, he sort of took me up with him and... Uh, the big swan MacKay, about twelve, thirteen foot off the ground, he had his fingertips virtually right, right on the ball, and I sort of just plucked it out of a, out of his hands and put it onto the shoulder. And of course, then I thought to myself, jeez, I've got to fall here, um, you know, if I don't go on the uh, on the head or whatever." But you know, come down uh, pretty good. But um you know, it's just one of those those rides that you get. That young Jeremy Howe from Collingwood does yeah. it virtually every second week, doesn't, doesn't he? he? Fantastic to watch. I love, I love watching him. And uh, a bit, bit disappointed, too, Pete, that the big mark has gone out of the game a little bit, hasn't it, over the last uh, four or five years? Well, they don't
1: uh, kick to a contest anymore, do they? In no, I a lot agree of with cases.
0: you. A couple of weeks later was the second semi semifinal. Um, Geelonga kicked the first three goals and, uh, you know, we hadn't had a sniff and uh, the old coach uh, sent, uh, sent the runner out and went to a couple of us and said, come on, we've just got to uh, do something. Now, our runner in those days, Pete, well, I didn't mince his words either. I must go back. I must go back to uh, uh, a quick story for you. Uh, this was my first, uh, as I say, the first game and uh, uh, what happened with, with Hunter and myself uh, at the last game with Perth, three thousand people there. Good on you, Buzz. Good on you, Kenny. You know, good luck and you know uh, for next year at Carlton. You know, anyway, I was the red hot favourite, Pete, to win the Sandover Medal. I would kicked eighty five goals from uh, from centre half forward and uh, went to the Sandover Medal, polled five votes, <laughs> walked out walked out to the room, kicked the chairs over, kicked tables over, said, oh, I'm not going, you know, this way. Then I was the red-hot favourite for the Perth Medal, of course, you know, and uh, uh, polled seven votes. So I got up on stage and said, you don't really want me here. I'm going to Carlton. So I went to Carlton, park and rang, that, that story goes. Anyway, as, as I mentioned, uh, shot me mouth off how, how high I can jump, etc. etc. et cetera, et cetera. Well, as I said before, there was 3,000 people at that last game. There were 77,000 people at the game at Wembley. Richmond versus Carlton, one of the biggest games of the year. Mm. I walked out on wobbly legs and I thought to myself, oh, what have I done here? You know, 20 minute mark, Pete, oh, I hadn't touched the ball. And all of a sudden, I saw the little white bloke coming around the thing. It was the runner, and uh, he said to me, "You big-headed so-and-so from Western Australia, you can't get a kick, Pete." I said to him, "I can't get, I can't, I can't breathe, I can't move." You know, and he said he went back to Parkin and Parkin said, "Tell him to sit down, squat down, take three deep breaths, stand up, have a look around the ground, and take it all in." That was the best advice I got, Pete. The rest of the game, I had 25 possessions, kicked three goals, took 11 marks, and we won by 10 goals. And that really changed my uh, my VFL career when David Parkin saw I was in deep, deep trouble. So uh, that was, a, you know, a, a probably a, just another reason why I would admire David Parkin so much because he did that with a lot of players too. Pete, you know, uh, if anyone was in trouble, he wouldn't berate them. Um, he did get that. Uh, he did get that uh, the jugular, the jugular going, out. correct? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, but that was sort of in a team type situation, and uh, but you know, uh, as you can probably uh, gather, I uh, you know absolutely admire the, uh, the gentleman uh, enormously. But
1: uh, did Paco no, once say about you, Buzz? Uh, he was you were one of the best players that he ever coached when you decided that you wanted mm, to play, or something along those lines?
0: Um, well, he may have said that, but I, I sort of. Um, uh, I sort of worked on uh, the one 1%ers too, Pete. Mm. Uh, I think he loved me doing that, the tackling, the shepherding, the blocking, that sort of thing. And I did that for the teammates too. And uh, uh, I think one uh, 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 people may know, I had 17 effective tackles against Essendon one day. And that was the very famous game that Mike Fitzpatrick had the ball taken off him. And uh, David, um, you know... Uh, 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 said to us in the in the um, rooms afterwards, we probably blew a game we should have won. Look at this bloke down here; he's had 17 tackles and kicked three or four goals, whatever I kicked, and uh, you know just 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 turned it on for us. And uh, I don't think again that year, Pete, we lost a game because mm. we went through and Essendon couldn't get near us. Um, interesting story, Essendon supporters. I played about eight or nine games against Essendon. Not once I was in a, I was in a winning side against them. Really? And it's incredible. Uh, we, they beat us in the night grand final. They beat yeah. us in the two games every year. I think they've even beat us in some scratch matches too, <laughs> Pete. So, uh, Essendon supporters, I never had a winning uh, feeling against uh, you, Mob. And uh, Kevin Sheedy often says to me about that. He said, uh, it's the only one, I think, you know great player that uh, hasn't had a win against us. And uh, sort of reminds me all the time, old Sheeds. Now,
1: we didn't quite get to the end of the story about the goal. It yeah. was, uh, Sorry, I think yeah.
0: it was, was it Ian Curvis? Yes, it was. Um, the ball come over the back of the, cap, the pack, big uh, John Johnny Blake was in the pack and I think uh, McClure was in the pack, went over the top of the pack, uh, chased it back towards the boundary line and uh, Ian was going to uh, kick it down the, uh, the ground half uh, back flank and uh, just probably um, hug the old uh, boundary line. Pete, I dove, dove from about 35, 40 yards and, uh, you know, and smothered it. All right, th- th- three yards. All right, okay. Yes. Uh, I think the Mr. <laughs> might have picked that up. <laughs> smothered the ball. Um, it stayed about two inches from going out. So I thought, oh, I'll pick this up and I'll run straight in and kick a goal here. But I didn't, didn't realise that the three Geelong players were coming at me. So I just thought I had a quick look and screwed it back over the shoulder, nearly hit the post. And just went through and I thought, oh, jeez, that's the, that's the goal of the year as well. So I had the double at the time and, uh, you know, I thought, well, uh, how good's this? And in a couple of weeks' time, uh, we can play off for a grand final. So, uh, and I am, Pete, and you've probably got it in your uh, notes there. Mm-hmm. I'm the only player in history to take the mark, to kick the goal, yes. and be a part of a premiership in the one year.
1: I was going to mention that. Mm-hmm. And there's one other little thing that I wanted to mention about 81. You obviously had a very good year. So you would have been talked about with the Brownlow. In Mm. 81. Yep. Now, when the Brownlow Medal happened in 1981, I think you polled really well in the early going, didn't you? Mm. I think you got a few, three votes early on. I think I
0: got about four threes, yeah. Yeah.
1: You weren't in the room, were
0: you? <laughs> I think I was up in the box with you at the Greyhounds you at, were. Uh, at um, Melbourne Park. At Olympic we? Park. Olympic Park, sorry, yes. We you were, were too. sitting in the broadcast box. Well, you were saying, we get to, you better get to the uh, function, Buzz. You well, better get to the function. Well,
1: that's exactly what I said because they're all looking around saying, hang on, where is this <laughs> bloke?
0: And I knew exactly where you were that 's uh, a true story too actually, <laughs> yes. actually listeners and uh, you know Pete and I go way back as we said before, and I used to love going to the uh, the dogs and of course in the uh, the latter days, it was the big hawk man too yeah. uh, i tried to, uh, I tried to get him over to the uh, Carlton uh, Pete, but he uh, you know he loves his hawks oh yeah, so uh, you know well, went to Geelong with him and uh, a couple of other places and uh, um, I think we, we, you and I ended up at Kyneton a couple of times too, people, in the races and that sort yes. of thing. So uh, We'll talk
1: more about the end of your time at Carlton and, and the possible comeback when we come back on the other side of the break. But you just mentioned a name there, Robert Klomp. Were you playing in the famous game? It was out at Waverley um, in the pre-season competition, I mm. think. it was, Or it actually probably wasn't pre-season mm. at that stage. It was during the season they yeah. play on a Tuesday mm. night. Mm. And Robert Klomp got the award for the best player on the ground. Yeah. He got the telly. And he had, what, three touches? Three or, or four
0: touches for the day. and <laughs> Louie gave him I, the tally. I don't know how many punches or, uh, or smothers <laughs> or, uh, or shepherds he had, Pete. But, uh, no, that's a true story again. And uh, uh, I think a lot of people remind him about that too. That's yeah, that, uh, I bet he's poor sick of old it.
1: Lou, yeah. Uh, we'll take a break, Buzz, and we'll come back on the other side of the break and talk about your time coming to an end at Carlton. And, as I said, the possibility of coming back. But what thwarted you when you tried to do that? Peter Basasto is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating life? Plenty more to come after the break.
0: This is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
1: What a great pleasure it is to have the great Peter Basasto as my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Flag in 81, Buzz, when you come over. Flag in 82. You must have thought, gee, this is a pretty easy game. Just collect premierships along the way.
0: Don't know about that, but uh, you mentioned the uh, Olympic Park and Quinton we went to and Sandown. What about the uh, the Mooney Valley on the Friday night, Pete? I used to get there a lot too. Yes, and uh, at the harness know, Racing? I, I used to have to get home by a certain time and take the phone call from David Parker if I wasn't there. And of course, listeners, uh, I don't know whether a lot of you remember this, but I did live with a, a, a ch- gentleman called Leo Brooks. Mm-hmm. Now, Mr. Brooks was uh, the grandfather of Jason and Mark Moran.
1: So you would have got to meet some reasonably colourful characters.
0: But... Well,. Yes, uh, they all had pinstripes on and uh, pinstripe suits, I mean, and uh, but Pete, they sort of treated us like celebrities. you know they were there, they were there, Alphonse was there, and uh, you know Jason wasn't very old in in those. I think Jason was probably about sixteen Mark was about eighteen and nineteen. They probably weren't into it by then, but they knew that sort of uh, uh, that sort of um I'm not calling them a gang because they weren't a gang, they were just sort of people that sponsored. I think Alphonse was a Carltonian at one stage Pete which is a sponsor of the Carlton Football Club and uh, um you know never we got never introduced to that, you know, Jimmy and myself and, and Wayne and and uh, Sellers we all, you know, used to, you know, just have a have a Bruce Jones uh, have had had a quiet drink and that there was nothing sort of involved in that. But I didn't I don't think that uh, particular um incidents or episodes happen about 10 years later, mm. um, was sort of you know, like probably early, early to mid 90s, and that's so how I was well gone by then. Uh, I was still in contact with, with Leo, um, and of course, you know, Leo wouldn't say much, but uh, you know, the uh, you know, the, the the sort of infamy was uh, was certainly around at that time, but um, no, I was sort of never involved. I, I did meet um, Alan Williams. Um, who was probably one of the biggest uh, um, drug lords at the time, and uh, you know, they, of course, the uh, stories went from then on. Uh, you know, it uh, people got into it, and uh, that's how uh, uh, Carl Williams uh, uh, got into it too, and. Uh, but, you that's know, probably enough of that, Pete. I don't know whether I'll get myself into trouble uh, talking about it. But, uh, you know, no, no trouble with uh, with Jason or Mark. They were just fantastic. They were in the rooms all the time. And, uh, of course, old Leo, what a what a fantastic store. Yeah. But he was for the uh, Carlton Footy Club and uh, knew Johnny Russell very well. And, uh, you know, that's how he sort of got along very well with, uh, with the race callers and broadcasters in, in those days, Pete, because uh, uh, JR was probably the guru at the time and you were coming yeah. through and the hawk and... Uh, um, uh, probably Brian was there, Brian Martin as Brian well. Brian uh, yeah. uh, I think there was a couple of others too uh, that we uh, bit... Uh we got into it. and of course we met all the jockeys because Jimmy knew all the jockeys and uh, Greg Hall and uh, you know Wayne Foralor and all those sort of uh, uh, great jockeys and uh, yeah it was sort of again a, a family type thing that we all sort of helped each other and and looked out for each other and uh, you know it was it was good to be around.
1: So life's pretty good. You're taking all these marks. You're kicking all these goals. You've got two flags under your mm. belt. But then the injury strikes mm. and it changed things.
0: Well, eighty three. Um, I had a fairly reasonable season as well. Um, you know. Uh, um, Probably kick forty odd, forty three, or something. But I, um, I had a very, very, very similar incident to the uh, GAT incident a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was playing on a, a uh, halfback flanker called John Law from North Melbourne, and John was pulling me and you know and grabbing the jumper and grabbing the thing, and I virtually turned around, Pete, and I hit him on the nose. With a, uh, with a sort of a round arm. And, of course, uh, young Gat, of course, uh, you know, swung the hand and, unfortunately, he, he connected and that was the result. You know the result. Um, I got reported for it um, and uh, the umpire come up to me a quarter time and said, player four, I've reported you for hitting uh, player 13 for North Melbourne and uh, went to the tribunal, Pete, uh, uh I thought the evidence went very well in my favour. Uh, John come in and said, look, yes, he did hit me, but, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't affected. I didn't go off the ground. I wasn't cut. No no worries. Um, kept on, you know, playing on him. And uh, the umpire come in, Pete, and said, uh, um, player four struck, player 13. And so much so, I thought it was a king hit. I thought, I'm in big trouble here, you know. So uh, anyway, he said where, the, where it was. It was across the middle of the ground. It was in the goal square. And I said to my advocate, I said, oh, you know, he hasn't seen it and he's probably just guessed uh player 4 we suspend you for four games for uh, the rest of the season so Pete that virtually was round 20 and uh, was only round 21 to go plus the finals uh, we played Essendon the next week lost then we played Essendon the week after and lost the 83 uh, uh, first semi final and of course that was the end of uh, that was the end of my um, VFL career so uh, did
1: you have a premonition that once you got that four week suspension that yeah, that was going to be the end yeah, of
0: it yeah I, I did because i'd had already signed with Perth for um because uh, i i was preempting father uh, getting worse with his leukemia? Uh, we didn't know much about it in those times. He had the benign Pete, so it wasn't a lethal uh, killer one, but we just didn't know anything about it. So I said, to "Dad, look, I'll come back for a year or two, um, take the pressure off you, and we'll go from there." Halfway through the season, Pete, I was you know just um, you know playing really good footy. Um, Perth weren't going to make the the, uh, the finals. Carlton come over, knocked on the door. Do you want to come back? I said, if you, want to, if you can make it happen, I'll, I'll certainly want to come back, you know. Anyway, I played a, uh, a state game. And, uh, you know, as I said, I was playing pretty well with Perth and uh, played a state game. Played in the state game. I was to be cleared on the on the Saturday night to play with Carlton on the Monday, which was the Queen's birthday long weekend peak. You know, and I think we were playing Footscray at, at the time. Unfortunately, um, one of the Perth directors got in the paper and called me a traitor. And that went all over Australia. You no know, bazasto trade, leaving Perth in the lurch, all this sort of thing. I got to Adelaide. There was a heap of uh, um, uh, cameramen and newspapermen trying to uh, get the story. So I rang Carlton. I said, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, um, they haven't agreed to uh, the clearance. It's all over uh, you know, a certain amount. But don't worry. We'll fix it. I said, OK. Anyway... Um, it didn't happen. Played pretty well in the state game, Pete. We won the game by a point. Played with virtually the Eagle side of, uh, of the next couple of years. David Hart and Malaxis and uh, Robbie Wiley, I think, was in the side as well. Um, uh, Kempy, I think, was in it. There was a couple of others. So it was a really good side. And we played against Kurnahan and uh, and Bradley and Motley. Of course, had the famous uh, number two that. Um, His his career was cut short with that um, that car crash. And uh, great, you know, Macintosh and, you know, many, many great... uh, who played for the and, and McGinnis was there and many great uh, players played with the Adelaide Crows. Anyway, um, that didn't happen. Went back to Perth and uh, you know played a couple of more games at Perth. Uh, uh, got picked in a state side in the, on the, just before the 30th of June. In those days, Pete, the 30th of June, you could be cleared to uh, Melbourne or back to Perth or a Vicky Burke. So uh, I played a game, state game, and uh, unfortunately uh, uh, they couldn't um, come to terms, and so that was it. About four weeks later. I still played pretty well. I was kicking, you know, multiples of goals. One game, I kicked eight goals against Subiaco. We were in front virtually all day. Last kick of the day, Subiaco got up and and, and beat us. I'm walking off the ground, and a couple of the uh, Perth supporters are calling me a traitor, and you, you know, yeah, you, you know, you should be whacked and all this sort of thing. And I got to the top of the stairs, and uh, I said to the um, well, the one of the stalwarts said, "Don't worry, Buzz, we'll win next week." And I sort of said, oh, stuff next week." And I put my hand through a plate glass window. And there, there it is there. Mm. And, um, you know, I put, uh, put it through and...
1: I can see the scar oh, yeah, now. I've done,
0: done about f- three, three nerves and four tendons and, f- you know, five um, uh, muscles all in that ring. T- of course, that was the end, the end of the year for that year.
1: Gee, you must have bled a bit, though. Yeah,
0: well, I'd lost five litres of the eight-litre blood. <sighs> so, um, were you in danger of uh, being seriously... The, the doctors actually said to me, you're very, very close to not to lose your hand, but because you were so calm... Pete, I just thought I'd cut myself. I said to the doc, "Oh doc, you know, I'll just you know slash my wrist, just stitch it up, and I'll be okay." He said, "No, it wasn't. He, there was clamps everywhere. He was trying to he was trying to clamp off the you know the the severed arteries and yeah. all that sort of thing." And uh, of course, you know, when you see a cut, someone cut their wrists and you know, it bleeds pretty profusely. So, uh, but apparently, the doctor said, uh, "If he had lost any more." Um, you know, and he said, he often told me, I did save your life, I think. I did save your life. So, yeah. And that was, the um, unfortunately, uh, the end of that season. Um, 85, I had a very, very good uh, start to the season. I polled, uh, I think, nine votes in the uh, first five or six um, um, uh, waffle games. And I had one more year of the contract to go. And I rolled my ankle in a, in a, uh, uh, a practice session on a Sunday. And Mel Brown was a coach, Pete. And he'd come back from uh, Victoria and was coaching the Perth side at the time. Um, couldn't get it right in '85. Okay, end of '85. 80, I was out of contract. I went back to Melbourne. I said to him, "Look, I want to come back." Um, you know, uh, I think the ankle's right. Trained for uh, two months before from the uh, last game to the to uh, virtually the last training session. Stood in a hole in uh, Park Park uh, Royal uh, uh, Ovals there and uh, done the ankle again, and uh, that was virtually the end of it. I took nearly two years to try and get it right. Carlton did everything in their power to try and get me right. They sent me to Sydney for specialist Pete, back to Melbourne, back to Perth, to try and get this ankle right. They can't do a a reconstruction like they can do now, but this was sort of 30 years ago. So, you know, and in the end, they were saying to us, Buzz, let Carlton people remember you, how you were. You know, we wouldn't like you to come back now and be, you know, half the player or quarter the player that you were. And, uh, you know, maybe tarnish the Tarnish the reputation, yeah.
1: Did you feel as though your career had been snatched away from you? Were you dirty yeah, at the
0: time? Yeah, I, I was. I was. And, and I regret it really now. I do. I regret it now. Um, my wife was, you know, she said, look, go back. You know, you, you, know, you love playing over there. You know, the, the fans love you over there. You, you know, you give, give it to them. And, Peter, very, very um, good story. I think you'll be uh, happy and the listeners will be happy. My, um, my daughter contacted cervical cancer. Um, four, four, of the five stages of cervical cancer, and uh, um, uh, she was lined with um, a polyps and that sort of thing. And ladies will probably know what I'm talking about there. And I had that many people ring me and uh, offer support and offer, you know, uh, monetary or charity. And I said to them, "Look, I'm not after that. If you want to sign jumper and me or a photo or something like that." You can possibly, you know, I'll, I'll do that for you. Now, Pete, I wasn't going to take a risk. You had to have a quick operation um, to do it. So it was it was fantastic that the people, and they were saying to me, Pete, you know, you gave us so much great pleasure in watching you play. You know, why can't we do something for you? So, you know, it was a terrific thing. I've had a couple of scallywags in my life as well, Pete, but I won't go into those. They're too long a story. But uh, there's some people out there that are that are very, very good-natured.
1: Well, we might take our final break, and I'll I'll touch on that and just um, how you're going at the moment, how mm. the body is post-footy mm. with all of those things that happened okay. during your football career, and we'll come back and wrap it up with Peter Bissar. So on the other side of the break, our final segment coming on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
0: This is your sporting life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers funerals,
1: celebrating lives. Time is on the wing. I wish we had more of it with Peter Bazasto on. This is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers funerals, celebrating lives. Buzz, you spoke about the the fact that you've been in the company of some scallywags over the years. Um, things have been tough a mm. couple of times financially for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've had some, uh, you know, had some uh, <laughs> uh, shysters, I suppose, or uh, or fraudsters. Uh, Probably the one big one is in in, uh, in uh, Perth. Uh, decided to get into a very big business um, uh, joint venture uh, with a developer in uh, in Western Australia, some four hundred uh, lots, and it was about ten years ago, Pete. So um, it was just when our uh, market, our uh, property market, was ready to boom. Yeah. Uh, you know, we bought quite a bit of land out uh, where I actually lived in Canning Vale. It's it's south of Perth, uh, about uh, twenty kilometres from Perth, and a very 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 good area and. Uh, uh, we were probably um, a quarter of the way in there. We had a third of the, the um, uh, joint venture, and the bloke decided to uh, to scratch us off the uh, off the uh, joint venture. And uh, we've been in ju- oops, sorry, ginger. We've been in court with him for, ever since uh, for ten years. So uh, still trying to get some uh, some money out of the bloke. But uh, no, you've just got to keep going. I, as I mentioned before earlier, uh, got to get around now. Um, the bank come after me a couple of couple of times, and uh, I think I did mention to you off air that I had uh, both hips done. I have yeah. had those uh, um, uh, reinvented, I suppose is one of the words. But uh, uh, and then I was on me, you know, back for quite a while trying to get you know over them, and the bank wouldn't wait for interest or anything like that, and uh, you know there was no money coming in, so uh, uh, we lost a house. Um, you know, my wife, uh, uh, she's stuck with me for you know for absolute fat for you know, for, uh, for ten years since that's happened, it was no, you know, no fault of hers, and uh, she's had to, uh, you know, go through uh, absolute living hell. But you know, you you get back on the horse, so to speak, and mm. uh, and try and uh, and try and do these things. And as I mentioned before, uh, we do go around with Jacko and Jezza and. Uh, David Reese jones and Diesel Williams. Sticks Coonahan, I do a lot with with Steve. Uh, you know, uh, the old saying there is uh, Buzz, you know, who's the greatest number four at Carlton? I said, well, if Steve Coonahan's in the room, uh, he is. But if he's not, I am. <laughs> <laughs> if he's in the room and I'm in the room, I go back to number four, because he's one, two and three. <laughs> but great man, Steve Coonahan, and uh, love him to death. And uh, just always, always, you know, if I've got something for him to sign a number four to sign and someone wants a... Uh, a charity or a fundraiser or something like that, and I, I say, Yep, we love you and uh, uh, sticks. You know, he'll sign it for me, and uh, mm-hmm. without any any question. Same with Alex Jezolinko, they're you know, they're su- such fantastic people that uh, you know, support the um, you know, the, the lesser lights, Pete. I I think I mentioned to to you off air. Uh, we've just had a uh, couple of weeks ago a miner uh, that went off yeah. one of our uh, off one of our big um, uh, mines up at uh, Paradu and uh, absolute mad, mad, mad Carlton supporter. I was only up there four weeks ago, as I mentioned. Pete, he bought a couple of the marks off me, and uh, you know he said, "Buzz, I'd love to come to one of your shows and all that sort of thing." When uh, when you come back up, and uh, someone rang me a couple of Fridays ago and said, "Oh, Buzz, it's one of those." Uh, uh, people that you met at the at the, um, the football club, uh, you know, when you did the talk there, and uh, um, he drove off the cliff, fully loaded, and uh, never had a chance. And uh, all, all his wife wants is a um, is a, a signed uh, signature of Alex Jeselinko and myself, and I've got one here. I think I've showed you, and yeah. uh, it brings a bit of the tear to the eye, Pete, because you, you know, you've, uh, footballers have got a um, you know they've got a duty, um, you know, to actually uh, you know, so a lot of people support you. And a lot of people are getting you, I suppose, is the point. But, uh, you know, the people that are with you, um, you know, they support you all the way through. And uh, I can only be too happy to, to sign that for the I've uh, uh, got a two-week-old two baby as well, Pete, which makes oh, it even worse, you know. So, uh, but, you know, we, we, we find many of those. And uh, as I mentioned, a lot of those Carlton uh, guys are really, really great when you, uh, when you want help. And as I mentioned with my, my daughter, um, you know, Chris Judd sent a jumper over to sign the jumper. And, uh, you know, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, Buzz, you've done a lot for the club you know why can't we help you it's great yeah
1: it puts things into perspective doesn't it it does um and I guess there are times where you must sit back and think you know I've had a very privileged position Mm. to be um as well known as I am as a footballer but when you hear of stories like that you realize Mm. just how much a part of people's lives you become over the years I think
0: you're right uh it's a very good point um you know not only that sort of uh, uh accident Pete, but you know the cancers and uh you yeah. know uh, other things and uh, uh it don't people don't deserve that of course you know they don't no, don't uh, deserve it um you know i've even done uh, uh <laughs> for dreaded enemies, you know, they, right on the footy field, they ring me up and my, my young son has got something. And would you do something? Of course I will. Of course I will. You know, so, uh, you just think that, you know, you've got to support people and you've got to support the people that, um, uh, you know, have supported you. They may go back to their father and I get a lot of that, you know, oh, you're my father's number one player or you're my father's number one, uh, you know, idol and that sort of thing, which is, which is great. You know, i come across the plane a couple of weeks ago and, uh, um, I played against a young fellow who was sitting next to his father, you know, and he knew Tony Beers, um, who played for Collingwood, who passed mm-hmm. away a couple of couple of months ago. Very, very sad uh, occasion as well. And and we all grieve, Pete. We all grieve because we are a family. And I've spoken to, uh, to Rex Hunt and many uh, other great uh, football names and, and even yourself now that, uh, you know, we're all, all of a family. And if we can help each other in any way. I think it's our duty to and uh, uh, anyone out there that needs, you know, any help from me if they want me to sign anything. And, Pete, I do get a lot of cards being sent to me and the little, little uh, you know, the marks of the year and all that sort of thing. I'm only too happy to, uh, um, to um, you know, to sign them and, and send them back for people.
1: It's been a long time since we've caught up, Buzz, um, but it's been very enjoyable for the mm. last uh, hour or so. Mm. I wish we had about four hours. We're probably going to need three hours mm. after this interview just to catch up <laughs> on some of the stories. But uh,
0: No cutting, Johnny. No cutting. Just go <laughs> straight through. <laughs> Nobody
1: who ever saw you play in that era will ever forget the impact that you had in mm. those 60-odd games bro. in the VFL. Um, we had some good times. I still think back to that night, that Brownlow night of yes. 1981. <laughs> And who knows, we might catch up in a commentary box somewhere in the next...
0: I was nearly out the door, Pete, if you remember. You were I shoving did. me out the door. You said, you, better, you get another three boats here and you've got to go. Yeah, but and the, I think I was in my moccasins, wasn't <laughs>
1: yet. Probably, but the only thing was you had a good thing in the fifth, so you weren't going anywhere. Uh, Buzz, you're a champ. Good to see you, mate. Thanks
0: very much, Pete. Absolute pleasure and uh, really great to see you. Good on you, yeah. mate. Peter Pazasto
1: joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral, Celebrating Lives. And we'll be back with another edition of the program right here next week. Hope you can join us then. Sometimes
0: needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why Tyre Power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 132191.